0: Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for Orphan Excellence, a real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Rick Morton. All right. Welcome again to the Think Orphan podcast. I'm Rick Morton. Excited to have you joining us again today for part two of our uh, interview with Keith McFarlane. Uh, Keith is the co-author of In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence with my co-host Phil Dark and we uh, we had a great opportunity to sit down and, and just a really rich interview. If you haven't listened to part one of of the interview, I would invite you to go and, and make sure you catch that because there's just there's a lot that uh, that's there to unpack. And and so we just had a great time with Keith and and uh, and, and it was so rich. We we just wanted to keep going with the interview and, and felt like this would be uh, something that you would enjoy and something you would benefit from. And so without any further ado, uh, join uh, Phil and me as we continue our conversation with
1: uh, Keith and Paula. There's one thing that we, we have had people not criticize necessarily, but ask questions about what we actually meant with you you talked about it with the fatherhood in the you know the fathers and mothers and when there's no father there's something missing and some people misinterpret that to say, well single moms what they can't they can't raise kids like is are they not good enough what's what's going on there right and people as as we all know people will misinterpret what we say mm-hmm. um, and what we write especially because we see it with social media all the time people put in black and white different things and you have. Twenty thousand, or 20 million or 20 however many billion people we have we have that many different interpretations but i just want to give you a chance i know you we've talked about it and i know you've talked about it on some different things but but what would you say to somebody who said well i'm a single mom and what are you saying to me that my kids don't have a chance um Mm. what what's going on here wow that's good
2: um Boy, oh boy! You know, here's the reality: most of our churches, uh, whether we're in Uganda or America, that that fatherlessness is an issue across the board. And so, uh, most of our churches are being filled with with mothers and their children, uh, for the most part. I think that's a, a pretty steady trend uh, around, right? So, there's a pandemic of fatherlessness in, in a reality, um, and, and so. You know, just being real about that. Can those mothers raise those children? Absolutely. Does God call them to to raise those children? Absolutely. Do they have the double difficult job of having to be mother and father, mom and dad? Man, absolutely. And that's why there is an absolute need for support for the widow, and you can use that broadly in, in lots of different contexts, and the fatherless. And for his body, the church, to come alongside of that, right? And for men to step up and be fathers to the fatherless in appropriate ways, in appropriate context. So, you know, that, that's a reality in the local church. I would just transfer that over into an orphan care type of situation, because nobody's gonna say, I think in the church, you're not saying, well, that's ideal, right? It's ideal. It's not ideal. Um, that is a reality of the brokenness that we live in. But good news: Jesus redeems the broken, right? Good news: um, He is the Father, and 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 that doesn't change. Right? He's the perfect Father. And so when we're talking about uh, about the fatherless, you know, especially in the book, what really what we're challenging is the pretty common model of just saying, you know, and this is really what what I found along my you know my trip, my journey, and, and you've seen it is okay there's a great need let's get a thousand five hundred or a hundred kids and let's bring in mothers and 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 we're good right because we're caring for the children we're giving them food and we're giving them shelter um and yet not not being uncomfortable with the reality that man but that's only half the answer like like these kids need the boys especially but the girls too i mean it's both they need they need father they need what god has uniquely designed that fathers input in on an identity level, um, on, on just a spoken level, um, uh, you know, across the board. So, um, so, so what would, would you say, Hey Keith, is it wrong for a single mom to adopt? I say no, it's not wrong. I like some of my good friends in Uganda are single moms and they've adopted. God's called them to adopt. What, what we're saying is, but let's be real. Let's be honest about the baggage. Let's not promote that as as the ideal or as as if that's going to uh, be easy or easier right any any adoption or no adoption is easy Um, but let's go into it honestly you know that that there's going to be real challenges and issues that are going to be faced because there isn't a father in the home Um, and that's just because that's God's design and of course let the church rise up and come alongside and support that you know and I've I've had a couple of kids that I am like a father to that are being raised adopted by single moms in Uganda. So it's 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 you know and they'll tell you it's not ideal um you know but in in those situations God absolutely called them to that. Um so
0: so, so Keith obviously um that answer um it, like, you're not afraid to talk about the hard stuff, right? You're not, you're, you're going to lay it straight. And, and another one of those hard topics, Um, but something that is, I think, you know, really near and dear to your heart based on, you know, what, what I've, what I've read and, and the bit of conversation we've had is this idea of national leadership and, you know, and the, the, the fact that, I mean, part of what I love about your story is the, is the fact that you, you know, part of your training and, and your preparation to do what it is God's called you to do is is sitting under the the leadership of Ugandan nationals and of, of others who you know really poured pretty deeply into you. And I, I think it's something we all you know we all believe in. You write about it in the book. Man, I'd I like, just love for you to unpack a little bit of of that, like your your passion for that, your uh, your thoughts about you know, raising up national leadership and what you, what you personally have benefited from and where you think that fits for us in the, in the orphan care community?
2: Boy, um, (laughs) it's a good question and very relevant. I think um, there's a reality that no matter what culture we're a part of, one of the things that we have to fight for, as a people, is the unity in the context of diversity, and the beauty of the bride that Christ has purchased from every tongue and tribe and language, every nation, and to recognize that in that there's just a great leveling that takes place. Um, that that it's, it's not me. I'm we're up here. We're up here. We have you know. Um, because Jesus is going to come right in and say to anybody who thinks they're up here that actually <laughs> you're in the wrong place. You're going to be on the bottom, right? It's the one down that's going to be up and it's the first that are going to be last. And you know what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. And and that's got to be all of us. Right. And I think, um, you know, as I look a bit internationally at missions or especially in the context of orphan care, it's not uncommon to find uh, Americans that, we, we know better and we have the, the finances, we have the education, we have the special, specialties, we have the, um, uh, just the plan, you know, whatever. Um, and, and whether we're aware of it or not, often to, to have a bit of a, a cultural superiority that, that can come uh, into various contexts. And um, the reality is, is that we desperately need to be able to see our poverty um, and and what we have to learn and to receive from the global church, from others, all right? And so, so if, if that's not a posture, then any discussion on national leadership is just going to be sort of an up here discussion, mm-hmm. like an ideal. It's got to be driven by something much deeper. Um, it, th- this isn't even an option, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we absolutely have to see people from – nations that are being raised up or or, um, empowered to lead Um, and and, and for us to be able to give and receive. And I think, you know, in that context, we're we're, we're givers and receivers, all of us, no matter where we come from, you know, and the little old lady deep in the village, uh, you'd think, you know, what does this lady have to offer me? She has so much to offer me um as i as i come with this posture so so commitment to national leadership is really just recognizing that that this is god's calling that as god's people we have to see uh, nationals empowered and and raised up and um and that there's beauty there right and so uh genuine partnership is is only possible where 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 that's a reality um and, and i think you know one of the hard things rick or, or Phil, you know, is that a lot of times we're, we're not aware of the cultural baggage that we can bring. Um, it's sort of like this hidden baggage and, and we've got to be aware of it. And so in a Ugandan context, we've got to be aware of the, the the Ugandan cultural baggage of the big man mentality and the chief mentality and the, the power hold mentality, or guess what? That's in America too, it's the human heart. Um, you know, even though it's, you're gonna see it playing out there in different ways. Um, you know, and, and for us to be able to 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 also recognize that, that we have our, our same things. And um, and so to be able to come into that context, to be aware of the baggage, whether it's colonialistic baggage, like in Uganda, um, and to be able to lay those at the feet of Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, um, you know, you died for a multi-ethnic bride, and we want to uh, deal with, with these realities. We don't want to stereotype, because I think a lot of times I see uh, sort of the stereotypes start coming. Well, we would raise up national leadership, uh, but you know these ones can't be trusted, or money will always just bring corruption, or you know, and those are real things. But but are they really being talked about? And I think one of the things that we love in genuine partnership is is genuine relationship, genuine accountability, and seeing team raised up because that's what Jesus does. He's sending out twos, and you've got. You know, you've you've got the the plurality of leadership. And I think that um, often we throw our eggs in a a Western CEO, big man, top down structure, which not that it can't work. It can with the right oversight and mechanisms, Um, but to also be willing to to move outside of some of those thoughts into building leadership teams and seeing what that looks like. Um, So those are
0: just some of my and i'd love to press in just just even a little bit more there and and think you know because i because i do think as we struggle to as we struggle to do this there's that there are those you know innate things that that we like we default to our you know to our norms we default to our you know almost these instinctive reactions that come out of of like how we've been how we've grown up, how we've been enculturated, like what we've grown to expect to be right, um, and and I'd just be like, practically, um, what's like, what's the Lord taught you about just holding that in check, and 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 how have how have you learned to maybe think differently or conduct yourself differently in order to, in in order to to bring that kind of you know collaboration and that that type of you know communal spirit with you know with with folks from other you know they're coming from other cultures.
2: Mm. One of the privileges I had really early on was just being able to sit under a Ugandan who and I wrote this in the book he's probably the wisest man I've ever met Um, just a joy to get to be fathered fathered by him as an older uh, mature godly man uh, who's been in ministry to the fatherless for many years um, and really just to, to invite his input, to be able to say, you know, what do I do in this situation? This is how I want to react. For me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a reactor. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to respond. I'm going to re- I'm going to say it really quickly. And, um, and I've got to catch that, check it, all right. Hold it back and then submit it. And I think that's the hard part is being willing to mm-hmm. submit my thoughts, my feelings, my perceptions, and just start asking others, how do you see this? Um, how do you see, how am I being perceived? You know, that's something that we, almost don't like to go there um, but we really have to go there cross-culturally it's a hard question um, because now I've got to I've got to deal with those things um, you know how, how should I respond in this and dealing with conflict I think there's a lot of books uh, when you, if you you know if you uh, if you go on Amazon and look at cross-cultural conflict right you're going to see lots of different books come up because how do we maneuver we're not we're, we're not speaking the same thing. We're not hearing what what we what we think that we're hearing, or others aren't hearing us as we think they are. Um, so just learning to communicate—it's like learning a different language, in a lot of ways. And um, and then really my best Ugandan friend, uh, Paul Kasubin and my one of my ministry partners and close brother, um, just being able to pour my guts out to him, you know, like, oh. Uh, and then it's that question: so what what do I do? You know, how how, how should I?
0: how should I respond here? So just being willing to, to actually submit, you know. Yeah. And I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss in, in what you said as well. and, And just want to point out to, for folks to just kind of ponder that takes time. Yeah. That takes intention. That takes, it takes, it takes careful work to do. And, and I think in, in the, in the urgency of the task that we see in front of us, we become sometimes so need-driven and so, you know, so overwhelmed by the, the the reality of the need around us that we that we we perceive the urgency there, but we don't perceive the urgency in taking time and being careful and 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 in 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 doing those deliberate things that you, that you're talking about. And I, I think, you know, sometimes maybe even the enemy uses that illusion to, you know, to really, um, hamstring us at times because we, because we do become so captivated by, you know, by the urgency of things. And, uh, and I, I just, I appreciate the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're writing about and and modeling and showing something in ministry that is, um, that is careful and considerate. And, um, and, and, and that really does lead to, um, a, a community spirit in the body and and to good healthy collaboration
2: and you 're right it definitely takes it takes time, and that can be a hard one right because when there is so much need and we want to meet that need and we want to bring change um, and, and we 're the ones with the plan if, especially if it's the, if it 's Americans that are involved right um, <laughs> it's boy, we're, we're running, we're going and, and, you know, come on board versus it does, it takes time to invest in people. And that that was actually one of the things that drew me to new hope was the first 10 years of the ministry. It was just small, very Mm -hmm. family oriented Jay dangers who's an American though. He grew up in Congo. So he had a bit of an African lens, um, you know, with Jones bikini uh, and, and that's, that's what they did. I mean, they just, they mm-hmm. lived it out together. There was mutual discipleship, mutual encouragement, mm-hmm. and and then starting to take in kids together and working through all those hardships together, but taking the time. And the thing I love about Jay is he would consistently want to know Jones, what do you say? How do you see this? What do you think? And so even the model, how we've structured what we do, mm-hmm. um, hasn't been a, a, you know, very traditional in a Western sense. It's much more African in that way so it it does it just takes time and willingness to to listen and learn and grow but that's really what you need right because that's going to be the ownership on the ground that's what's going to impact the community it's that that makes it our thing versus those people's Mm -hmm. you know and even when we got to, to new hope you know there were just no fences and we'd say you know what are the fences and and i would hear the if the community isn't our fence we shouldn't be here and not granted that can't work in certain areas of you know, <laughs> cities and crime and other things. And, and we did put up a barbed wire fence at some point, but that was to keep out cows from eating our gardens. But, you know, but I love just that, that statement, the community as our security mm. fence. Like, yeah. Wow. You know, mm. and that's not, that's going to come through a commitment to whatever country you're in um, Ugandans, you know, in Uganda, mm-hmm. in that context and, and seeing them, Raised up.
1: Yeah, Keith, you know, it's, it's so there's so much there. I mean, as Keith, as Rick's been talking about, you know, it's like, there's so much to mine in these answers, yeah. but um, I do want to focus on a couple. First of all, I just want to mention folks, if you haven't read the, uh, the book, um, again, it's in pursuit of orphan excellence and the national leadership chapter Keith wrote with Jones and Jay, and that was a mm-hmm. team product of those men, and I'll tell you what: there's so much wisdom in every chapter. But that that national leadership chapter is worth the price of the book. Um, and I'm just going to tell you right now, too: Keith and I don't make really any money on this thing, so um, I'm not trying. <laughs> I mean, no. it's the whatever it's, it's I, we really believe it will help you, and 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 because of the people who wrote this book with us. So that was one thing. The other was I will just tell you, folks. So many of us go on these trips, go on to different countries, go into different cultures, even if it's inner city, right? Like in, if I go to the Tenderloin district in San Francisco or if Brooklyn, New York, or South side of Chicago, it's going to be a very different experience for me, right? It's a totally different world, different culture, different everything, right? We go into countries that we don't speak the language. We bring an interpreter or we learn the language which takes time too, right? Yet we go into countries where we don't know the cultures and we go in and think we can just go in and do stuff. Fact of the matter is we need an interpreter for that too. And I'm just going to use a quick example of that. I, my, um, organization, uh, we did some training over at new hope Uganda with it, with a team. And we did some training together. Keith and I did some, and, and my COO Dave Redco did some disc training on the, the leadership principles and, And I said a few times, a word that I knew wasn't going to translate, but I had no idea what word it was going to be. And I said, silo, like we need to get out of our silos. Right. And if you're a Jim Collins fan, you're going to use it all the time. I knew it wasn't going to work, but I also knew Keith was there as my interpreter. So he comes up to me. I think it was after the first one, he let me suffer through the first uh, session, but then he goes, Bill, say gardens. And so I just, instead of silos, I just changed it to gardens. And then it was like the room lit up like, Oh, I actually understand this white man. This <laughs> Mazingu isn't some weirdos using a word that I have no <laughs> idea what he's talking about. And it changed everything, but that's such a simple little thing mm-hmm. that because Keith is fluent in not only, you know, languages and, you know, of, of these different places, but the culture, right. And that does take time. That takes, that take, and we we can't shortcut it. If you try to shortcut it, you're going to step on so many toes. And the thing is, most people won't tell you, they Mm -hmm. won't tell us that, that, you know, step on a toe. So um, with that, Keith, you know, you have over the last what 18, 15, 18 years been at new hope. But recently, over the last few years, since we've written the book, there have been some leadership transitions. Um, you know, we don't get younger. We we tend to tend to age in our lives and people tend to step away from positions and things happen. But, uh, you know, what have you experienced over the last few years with those leadership transitions? And what are some of the lessons you've learned um, since writing the book, since, you know, writing with Joe and, uh, Jones and Jay, actually? What have you learned about the leadership, these things that you've been talking about through those transitions.
2: Hmm. Boy, um, we, we've definitely been able to grow forward in, in just this reality of national leadership and national leadership in relationship to good multicultural partnership. And you, know, you can read the book and you can read uh, Jane Jones's story is beautiful. Like they have been brothers. Um, my relationship with those men I've loved it and and with those that are are there but the reality is is that as we walk the journey it is hard and we have to fight for relationship and it's grounded in Christ Um, and even after walking 20 years you can still um, hurt each other you can still bring mistrust you know as as westerners you can still do dumb things Um, Or pay the price for other Westerners who do dumb things, you know, or, or or the gamut, right, you can fill it in. And, And so, you know, we've been in a very unique situation where we're moving from transitioning from founders who are your directors, really into the next generation of leaders, you know, you've got a 30 year old ministry. Um, that, that's needing to, to, to grow forward. And so how do you do that? And I think some of the challenges that we faced and, and you know, and, and I think it's pretty common, whether it's in uh, founder's ministry or just in transitioning in leadership uh, would be the reality of what does it mean to raise up and empower, right. And release others um, to, to run, in what they're gifted in or called to or in the area of ministry that they're in um you know openly accountably and in a relationship but to be able to actually release others to fail i don't we didn't mention that in the national leadership chapter maybe uh, maybe we said something small but typically that's that's not common language release others to fail <laughs> it's like man. but yes um and the reality is that for those of us who've been doing it for so long, it's like, well, no, you guys just keep doing it. You do it so well. Or I've been doing it so long and I do it so well and you, you'll take twice the time or make mistakes. I'll just keep doing it. And so I think just being aware of those realities in order to, to, to release and, and give others the space to make mistakes, to mentor them, to, to train them up. I mean, not mistakes where you're hurting people, right? Not that level of, of mistake, um, but just that reality. Um, I, I think um, team building team, you know, just how important that is in, in every context that, that we're not trying to be those who are uh, isolated. We're the ones who know, we're the ones who act, but we're empowering others. We're raising up others. We're yeah. disciple makers, right? Yeah. I think that should be our language. What it's, that's, that's the body of Christ language. And that should be flowing right into uh, any organization that's caring for orphans as well. Those are hard, real issues that we have to face. Um, and I think all that stuff gets exposed, right? As we're raising up leaders, as we're empowering leaders um, and growing forward.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, it's so good. That's so good. And I, I use the analogy sometimes with the free, you know, release them to fail that, you know, it's like, I think of the teaching our kids to ride a bike, right? You, you let them go to fall off their bike. But you won't let them ride off a cliff, right? Right. You won't let them ride in front of a car, but there's learning in the falling. There's learning in the failing. There's learning in the running into a wall because you don't know how to break, right? And so that's, it's so hard though. It's so hard. Yet. Yeah. So good, so good. All right, Rick, you want to? So Keith, wanna...
0: we, you know, there are a couple of questions that we always kind of seem to work our way to in these interviews, and so I'm going to channel my inner Phil for just a second, and I'm going to ask you, what is it that you have read, or watched, or listened to that has most impacted your understanding of how to how to love and care for orphaned and vulnerable children?
2: Well, really, I mean, in pursuit of orphan excellence.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> That, Which I'm sure you've read a m- bunch of times since 2014.
0: You
2: know, uh, <laughs> Considering you wrote
0: most of it. That's, that's know, right. That, that. No, it was, it was the stuff that other
2: people wrote. That was <laughs> fat, right? It was amazing. And Phil did such a great job of setting it up, you know? <laughs> you talk about excellence.
1: And, just keep going. Talk about different know. books.
2: Come on. <laughs> he nailed it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, just the reality is that in 1999, 2000 2001 there just weren't books there mm. wasn't anything you know it, it really was the bible and you know i'm reading james 127 and I'm like this just seems like it's out of nowhere this is pure and undefiled religion before god the, the god and father is this to care for orphans and widows and their affliction right um, to keep oneself unspotted from the world going how does that fit into the whole Bible? Why did I, Jesus had said it and make it a lot easier? You know, it's, um, I mean, not really scripture, scripture, but that was my 22 year old <laughs> thinking. Um, and, and so just to start going through the Bible, what does the Bible say? Everything, every verse about the followers. what does it say? Is this, you know, is it, and then just getting a big picture that this is really what James is looking back on. James mm-hmm. is looking at an entire unveiling of god to his people and saying man if you want to see Christianity, this is how i'm going to sum it up it's right here um and it's grounded in the gospel right before the god and father um which is in christ so so honestly i mean i think not not to sound cliche but the bible you know has has really been uh, my favorite as far as just nurturing that that calling it really affirmed the calling because for me it was like why do I have this funny desire to just work with children? Am I just weird? Um, and it's like, no, this is scripture. This is God's passion of God, right? This is his spirit at work. Um, and then over the years I've had fun seeing books come out. I think Tom Davis, the fields of the was mm-hmm. came out and I was like, woohoo! All right. We got a book. Um, you know, he's saying stuff that I, that I'm saying, like, I love that, you know, and he says it beautifully and, and he ends it, you know, in this world, you, are an orphan awaiting your father in this world. You are a widow awaiting your bridegroom in this world. You are a stranger awaiting a home or something like that. And it was like, come on, man, he nailed it. Um, And so just over the years, seeing that that really there's so many good, good uh, books that are out there. I've, I enjoyed, um, uh, uh, oh, see, now I'm not gonna, now I'm not gonna be able to think of it. It was there, now it's gone. I want to say "Orphan Justice," because that—that's not. Yeah, yeah Johnny, Carr. Johnny Carr. Johnny Good. Yeah. Yes, there we go. I really enjoyed yeah. enjoyed that. You know, when it hit when it hit the shelves, it was all those things make me excited because I I love seeing the conversation. I love seeing people grounding these things. You know, um, in, in God and calling God's people to to
0: action. Man, and like the Bible can't be a bad answer, right? Like that's like if you're if you're connecting all of the scriptures together and you're connecting the big story um to you know to that that is that is the that is the best answer so you and uh, normally
1: we say other than the bible but i'm glad we didn't in that in that instance but uh actually we don't say that we haven't said that for a long no, time we haven't, but I'm,
0: we haven't said that for a long time
1: yeah i know because yeah i think people kind of caught on but i'm glad yeah. we didn't say that because that was that was that was great man um it's funny tom davis uh He's actually living in Barcelona right now, which I maybe I shouldn't have said that because now all the stalkers are going to go and find him in Barcelona. But <laughs> um, I actually talked with him the other day, and he's got a new podcast. Interestingly, it has nothing to do with orphan care, but it's a really cool podcast. As you know, I'm a big soccer guy. It's called the Heroic Mindset. Totally random, but I thought I'd throw that out there since you said Tom and nobody has uh, nobody has mentioned that book. I don't think ever on the show. That's a that's a first a first. No one. way. I'm I'm. Wow. I don't recall ever having no. Go to the list mentioned as as that book. So
0: Now we're, now we're going to have to both talk about the book, and we're going to have to figure out
1: how, how to have Tom We'll have to so. do it. We'll get Tom on. We'll get Tom on. We'll talk about heroic mindset because it's all about soccer. You'll love it, Rick. You'll love it. Um, it's about actually the mindset of, a, of an elite athlete, which I'll, goes I'll, to leadership and goes to a whole lot of other things too. Then so, the college football will fit nicely into that conversation. It probably would. It probably would, anybody other than Alabama. Um, but uh, so – Keith, last question. I'm so bummed right now. I'm so bummed that we're at the end of this interview. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but what one person has most impacted your understanding of how we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence?
2: Mm. Can I answer the one person with a dual person yeah. answer? Yeah. So, I, mean, I, I had
1: a feeling you would. So go yeah, ahead. Actually,
2: cause, Cause really it's, I mean, I'm gonna say Jay Jones, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: or Jones J. Yeah, and those two really are, I mean, they're, they're, they're like one. I mean, they're, they're brothers. And and to see these two guys live it out, I mean, the sacrifice that they made in the early years, there was no cushion. You know, if, when you read, uh, if you want to read New Hope's story, Jay, Jay's daughter, Jenny, who's a precious, and good friend, um, she wrote, oh, you're reaching for it. Maybe it's there. The Long Road to Hope there it is hey they have small beginnings so jenny put together really the history of new hope and i mean these guys are walking into a you know a war-torn zone you've still got landmines going off and skulls you know bones on the side of the road um that's Mm -hmm. that's the reality of what they went into and the kids that they took in i mean these were you know hurting hurting kids so so they've lived it they've they've sacrificed I and mean, jay got there and and all funding that he was promised was pulled he had no money he had nothing i mean these guys they were like well god here we are um you know it's kind of a george mueller you know well you're the father of the father so i guess it's your job to provide so we're going <laughs> to trust you uh, you know um so just being able to watch, you know, them live it out and, and to watch Jones really, he's just he's amazing. Like I've watched him in painful situations, hard situations where I'm going, What would I say right now? And I just watch Jones just in this beautiful father way just speak right into these really, really hard things. Um, and, and that's just been a privilege for me to get to watch, to learn from. Uh, and to just see the consistency of how they father so many, but not forsaking their children. Mm. Right. Now I want to just, let me end with that one because it's easy to create fatherless children in the attempts to care for the fatherless. It's easy to leave your kids behind by caring for kids. And, and I've really appreciated Jenny and, and her voice and, and the way that she was able to articulate some of her struggles at times you know um wondering god so are you not my father if you're the father of the mm. fatherless and, you know <laughs> or feeling guilty cuz i have a dad um and just so just learning from them on so many different levels mm. they're very open very wise they need to write like five books
1: would mm. be helpful mm. yeah. wow man hey uh, i'm not just saying this cuz i'm looking at you on a zoom call um i am so proud to call you brother call you my friend um to have been able to go in the trenches with you to write this book it's uh it's a truly an honor i i hope folks out there you've had just a taste of the wisdom this man has that god has just spoken through him and continues to speak through him and and i will tell you um i know i'm bragging on him i feel like a you know actual brother because that's what i feel like with you but um it's because you're in the word it's because I, i you are continually in prayer, you, with your family. Um, I wish we could just put out there the, how you each year you take your son through, a, uh, through a, uh, a different word that helps grow them into a man, and they focus on that for the whole year. And man, I know that you do that. I want to do it, and I just feel like, you know, I never get around to it but you are so intentional you're the real deal brother i just want to thank you for that i wanted to say that to uh to whoever's listening because i i i truly believe that and i'm just honored that God brought us together a few years ago ah thank you i'm saying just
2: don't yeah there's not a halo there come to my house and you'll see no he's not perfect but that's
1: what's so great you're not real i mean you're not real you are real you are real and it's real, and I have been there with you. But I, I will say, though, you, you are seeking, you are pursuing God. You are pursuing that excellence that we talked mm-hmm. about. I'm, I say that because I do want people to know and understand that when you say stuff, it's not just a dude mm-hmm. in some ivory tower saying, this is what you know I think, and I'm just musing. It's, it's a guy who's living it and trying and struggling, that freedom to fail, that you know, releasing to fail. You do fail, but you know what? That's not the end. That's not the end of the story right and so that's just i do want to say that and i i knew that it would be you know just receive it brother just receive Mm. it thank you Mm.
0: he thanks been a such a privilege to to be able to do this interview with you and just spend some time and and thanks for thanks for sharing and and going deep with us
2: thank you rick i've loved, loved loved the time it's been fun to get to know you a little bit too Just to get to be here with you guys.
1: Well, if you uh, couldn't tell, uh, I just, I really do respect and love that man. Um, And I just thank you again, Keith, for uh, being a part of this show. And I will will tell you, um, the book, and I tell this to people a lot, the book In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence became what it was when Keith McFarland came onto the project. And I, I, I say that because Um, We pushed each other to be better. That's what teammates do. That's what collaborators do. When you're truly working together for one project, when you're working together for one message, for one goal together, you push each other to where you would never have gone if somebody wasn't pushing you. And so I think we pushed each other in our thinking. We pushed each other in what we covered. We pushed each other in what we knew we could do. There were some chapters that, as you'll see, he wrote that he didn't feel like he was competent enough to write. And I had to come behind him and say, you are. I have no doubt. And just put pen to paper and let's see what comes out, right? And without that, I think that it's a a struggle. So we're not going to talk a lot right now about that. We do want you to just, you know, I think, Rick and I talked about it and it's just, man, that was so rich. We want you to just be able to, to think about it, to bask in it, and just to really think, what is God teaching me through this? And go back and listen again to it. You know, this is the second part of the, of the two-part episode, as, as you know, if you're listening to this. Um, go back and listen to the first part. If you hadn't, if you just somehow stumbled upon this part too, go back and listen to the first part because it will provide a lot of context. But Rick, I just want to ask you, you know, you wrote Orphanology with Tony. Mm -hmm. Um, and did you feel kind of the same way with writing that book? Like that it was pushing each other
0: or was it different? Yeah, but, but it was different. I I think we were, we were serving together and, Mm. and we were, we were in the middle of, of, of doing the thing that we were writing about and more together. Got it. And, and so I think the the difference in what you guys experience, first of all, it's a, it's a much larger collaboration and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we, we reference a lot of people in the book and that kind of thing, but we didn't have collaborative, you know, relationships with any of them. Um, I, I think the other thing too, is like, you've got to, you've got to sort of look into the backdrop that um, Tony and I had known each other for a long time. And in one way or another, we had we had served with each other alongside each other for, you know, the better part of eight or 10 years by the time we, by the time we wrote orphanology. And so I I tell people sometimes that our, you know, our relationship um, to put this in a, in a very American, very first world Western kind of, it was, it was like, you know, Stockton and Malone, right? Like it was the, it was that, that relationship of, the guys on the basketball court that are playing with each other that, that don't have to see each other to know where they are. Um, and, and so as we, as we really began to, to frame up orphanology, um, that was so much a product of just dozens and hundreds of hours of life and conversations and things that when, when we actually started to really put the outline together and, and begin to frame the book up, it came together pretty effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in our, in our writing, to be honest with you, we didn't, we really didn't collaborate a whole lot. We took our pieces and we went and did our thing. And, and then when we were finished with something or at a point where, you know, we'd share it with each other and kind of, you know, kind of go back and forth. But, but the thing that was kind of remarkable about it is we even when we did that it wasn't like it wasn't like there was a whole lot of editorial you know stuff between the two of us because we were just so much on the same page Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that it just it just kind of flowed together and i think that's you know that that to me just plays back into you know some of the things that keith really emphasized even in the interview with with his you know, his relationships at New Hope and some of the things that have, you know, that have grown and flourished there, um, you know, that, that he's talked about. It was our, Tony and my collaboration was the result of an experience like that. And, and so it was, you know, it was just very, it was just very
1: different. Um, hmm. Yeah, and, no, I think that's good. Yeah. That's, that's something that I think is important to understand too. Like, there's different things that will come out of different teams and different projects. Mm-hmm. And you guys, as you said, you, you experienced that together. And so probably was more of a, is that really what happened? Is that, you know, is that exactly what, you know, when you come back on saying you're on the same page, but maybe there were a couple of little things here and there, but with us. well, it was, And there was just
0: so much we had processed along the yeah, way with each other right? that, that, that stuff, that stuff was kind of already said and worked out and worked through because we were, like we were just, we were just pretty deeply connected in life in a lot of ways, and so yeah. our, you know, our 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 ministries were connected, and and we you know served with each other in a variety of capacities. Our our families were interconnected, and you know, our adoption stories and all those kind of things. We, you know, I like he was a part of my life. I was a part of his life for all of that. Yeah, and and so so as we were you know, it's, it's funny. And and there are times where it's really funny now, even going back and, and, and reading the book, it's, it's like, I, I mean, I know who wrote what and I, it's hard to, but it, but like it, it, it's hard to even find it if you don't know what you're looking for. And, and honestly, there was not a lot of editorial work that even had to come Mm. to that to make it, to make it fit that way. Right. Um, because we, we were just in we're that season age. we're just very much in sync and yeah and, and walking together.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. And I and I I I love how the different projects, the different teams, they 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 take different shapes, right? And it's just mm-hmm. like anything else. So there's no rule book. And I think that's part of even in pursuit, going back to in pursuit and just what we talked about and even hearing Keith talk through that interview. Um it's clear that there is no you know, the book is not a how-to. The book is a a framing of a conversation of how can we do this together, and what does it look like to pursue this excellence together, and even in the conversation of family. You know, there are ideals, but there's also brokenness, and it and it is you know as you said it's rooted in suffering, and so and you know those are. It's
0: every bit as relevant a conversation today as the as the day. Is that it was published? Absolutely. And I, and I think you know one of the things. I So I would you won't say it, but I'll say it to you know to the folks that are listening to us. If you, you know, if you're passionate in this area and you haven't picked the book up and and you haven't you haven't considered the stuff that's there, you need to um, yeah. because because I because I think it is a you know it's an evergreen conversation and and there's there's a and it's not it's not a paint by the numbers project. It's not a how to. It's but it but it surfaces some you know really key points and key perspectives that that have to be wrestled with if you're going to you know if you're going to going to do if you're going if you're going to serve in this area and and do that to the glory of the Lord these are things you have to wrestle with
1: and i will say you know it's it's not just a book for you know some people are like oh it's a book about orphanages no mm-hmm. it's not it's a book about how we can love orphan and vulnerable children, what they need, how we can wrestle with the things that we know children need. I've told people, I use this book in my parenting, what I learned writing this book in my parenting of my five biological children. Um, it, it, there are principles in here. It's biblical. It's, it's a book about justice. It's a book about making things right. What does that look like in the context of orphan and vulnerable children? And that is something that we sought to do. You heard from Keith's heart. You've heard from mine over the last, you know, 150 episodes if you've listened to him. Um, just our heart is to help people, our heart is to encourage and build people up, our heart is to help people understand how they can flourish. And that comes through in that book. And I and I will tell you, there are people on that, all fifteen authors are people that are struggling with understanding all these things we're writing about. And so I I too would say, you know, we're really starting to, what I wanna start doing on our, in our episodes is, is picking a couple takeaways and, and or action steps out of these, out of the interviews, out of the conversations that we're having. You know, we always say, use everything that you're learning to help you understand how you can love the children better. Um, but I wanna just kind of think about together, what are some action steps we can take? And the one I was really thinking about today is, you know, if you've read the book, go pick it up again and read it with fresh eyes today. And, and through the lens of what Keith talked about in that interview and through the lens of maybe how you've engaged some of the conversations we've had on this show in the work that you're doing, in the understanding of the conversations you've been having, you know, read it with fresh eyes. And I'm, I myself am going to do that because I haven't read it for a while. You know, when you write a book, you read it so much, you know, your thought of reading it again is, is just somewhat repulsive, quite frankly. But, um, but I will say, you know, read that. Read the book, pick it up. If you haven't read it, read it and, um, and, and engage it. And I, and I would say the other action step I would have is find some place that you're uncomfortable culturally, find a place that you're uncomfortable and enter into that and learn it at some level. Find someone who knows that, who's fluent in your language and your culture and fluent in that other culture. Get out of your comfort zone, and engage a culture that, that is a challenge. And and learn. Don't go in thinking you know what the right answer is for anything. Just go in and learn, and see what God shows you and teaches you about yourself, and uh, that identity that that, that uh, Keith talked about. Man, that's there it's rich as we said at the beginning just just bask in this in this interview listen to it just just wrestle with it engage it rick do you have any other takeaway action steps that you thought of or
0: Man, I, I think here here's my here's here's what i would say i want to i'm really interested to hear what our listeners um takeaways action steps and so what i yeah. what i'd like, really like to ask the folks that are out there that are listening to us to do hit us up on the facebook page hit us up you know mm-hmm. through social media come connect with us on the connect tab on our website and what are what are the what are the things that got rose up in your heart um as you know as a result of of the interview with keith what are the what are the action steps and the takeaways that you're you know that you're bringing away it'd be a great help to us to hear that it'd be a great encouragement i think it it also um we want to we want to hear we want to hear where you are we want to hear what you're thinking because it it, it really helps us to know how to how to guide this podcast and how to you know how to 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 think about the interviews and the people that we you know that we get together to to bring before you and, and the directions that we move. And so we we would love to hear from you. And uh I uh you know for for my part, my one of my action steps is there was so much packed into this interview um and over these two episodes is is just personally I feel like I'm gonna need to go back and kinda Dwell over and conserve over these uh, these conversations a little bit because because it was just it was just so, you know, so deep and and so rich and uh, and so, um, but yeah, let us hear from you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say by the time this airs actually it's already up. I I haven't I haven't uh, finalized finishing touches on it, but we, we will have a Facebook group that I invite all of you to join the nice thing with Facebook groups versus pages is you can post stuff you can you can engage the conversation with things that you're reading that you're seeing other podcasts that you're listening to that that will help inform our our uh, our community mm-hmm. that uh we can we can truly have these conversations that aren't just us posting something onto a page and having you comment but you can actually be commenting on those yes but uh if you want to go deeper into this conversation with us and be a part of this at, at that deeper level, join the Facebook group so that we can have those conversations there. And I don't want to put something else on your, on your desk that, uh, that you feel like is, a, is another project that you have to do. But I get excited to go deeper with you. I get excited when I see emails from you. Don't, don't feel like you're bugging me or Rick. We get excited with the, with the engagement, with the conversation. It's something that it's part of why we do what we do. We want to really be able to engage with you and have these conversations at deeper levels. So that's why we're starting this Facebook group. As I'm learning, Facebook groups are a much better place to engage than a Facebook page. <laughs> and I, you know, it's it's a learning curve. It's a culture I'm not fluent in and I'm learning from other people on how to do this thing. So with that, folks, you know, keep learning. Keep engaging, keep asking the hard questions, keep seeking those answers, keep pursuing excellence. And just use all that you're learning, all that you're just finding, all that you're hearing on this podcast, all that you're reading in the books you're engaging, and use it to help you to understand how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.